Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Michelle, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. We were kind of on a hiatus a little bit. I know. We took a little so break, but now back. we're back. Let's go. This week we are interviewing Islet Schvel, and she does courses in teachings and counseling on birth trauma. Whoa, yeah. very interesting. Such an important topic. I think it's absolutely. I looked it up recently. I think they said it's like 10 to 30% of births in the U.S. The parent experiences birth trauma. Wow. I actually know a, quite a bit of few people that could have like PTSD or borderline PTSD from their birth. Absolutely. And here's the thing, like as a society, we all just miss it, right? It's like, oh, well, your baby's alive and healthy and that's all that matters. That's but so they're not looking at what people had to get through to get from mm-hmm. A to Z, what they right. went through. I mean, come on. It's yeah. huge. And you can be grateful and happy that your baby is healthy, but still have trauma. One does not exclude yes. the other. Yes, absolutely right. I mean, right? how do we figure that out? Like, it's absolutely 100% true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We yep, are humans. We are complex creatures. We can feel more than one emotion at once. Yep. Mm. So that will be an interesting discussion. But let's start with our favorite of the week. Yes. Do you want me to go first? I will. I am in love with the um, Netflix series called Virgin River. Mm. I just finished the third, third series that only recently came out, and I have bawled my eyes out. It is so cheesy, adorable, innocent. But you cannot help but love it and feel like you're, I want to move to Virgin River and there is no real Virgin River, but I want to move there. I want want to get a job there. I want to like, I want to know these people. It's so sweet. So what is it about? It is about a small town somewhere um, that I'm sure it's said and I, I don't remember, but um, a woman who's lost a lot, she's I think a nurse practitioner moved to this small town to kind of get away from the trauma of her life and mm-hmm. discovered love. But there's, it's, it's just, it's endearing. It's multi-generational, which I always love. Ooh. Yeah. There's like, you know, you get the grandparents and grandchildren and family drama and, oh, it's so good. So Is it yes. like a lifetime show cheesy uh, or? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere between Parenthood and a Lifetime show as far mm-hmm. as Innocence and Cheese. But it's so good. And I it's only three it series. Like, I'm like, I, why didn't you do a dozen? Why are they? Mm-hmm. Why? I have nowhere else to click on to. So I don't even <laughs> know what to watch. I actually don't want to watch anything for, I finished it two nights ago and I don't want to watch anything for a few days because I don't want, nothing will be as good as that right now. Mm. So I'm kind of like letting that like settle into my soul. Yeah. Before I start something else. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way when I'm like, when I finish a really good book series, 
or yeah. a really good movie series. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life now? <laughs> because yeah. I would just like look forward to it every day, like reading that yeah. book or watching that movie. And then you're done and you're like, okay, now what? Right, right. Yeah. I so started... what is your favorite of the week, lady? Well, my favorite of the week is a coffee. It's called Four Sigmatic. And it's made out of ground mushroom. What? So I think there is like some coffee bean in it too. It does have some caffeine, but it has like one third the caffeine that regular coffee does. Yeah, it's so good. It smells good. It tastes good. And and it's part of my my goal to like wean off caffeine, which I am not doing a great job at. But (laughs) that is one of the changes that we made was we switched out our Starbucks that we used to make at home for the Four Sigmatic coffee. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to totally mm-hmm. check that out. Yeah. And so we've been enjoying that. I still buy Starbucks too much, but at least at home, <laughs> that first morning cup isn't quite like, I'm going to give you the jitters and anxiety. Have fun. That <laughs> feel right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I have been like switching to decaf, or at least half decaf, half regular in the afternoons. And I will say that that has been helping my anxiety a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't, I feel like if I, and this is just like real talk, I feel like when I was having like a regular cup of coffee in the afternoon, within a half hour, my brain was doing that thing where it's either like, I'm going to go through every embarrassing thing that I've ever done in my life and think about it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to convince myself that everybody in my life hates me because <laughs> yeah. that's what, that's it's how anxiety, anxiety manifests. Gotta go. mm-hmm. Yeah. I told anxiety yeah. is such a complex thing and you have to just discern what brings it and what doesn't. And regardless, you got to get rid of what hurts you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. period. Right. And so getting support is absolutely essential. It is. Which I'm yeah. also working on, but yes, there are certain triggers to anxiety that yeah, if you yeah. learn what your triggers are yeah. and avoid them, it can help in I can't, I just, I can't believe that it took me this long to figure out that caffeine is a trigger for me because it's such a common trigger for, for a lot of people with anxiety. But the truth is, is you've probably been drinking it for so long that you never even noticed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we right. get that way. And, and if someone said to me, does it bring anxiety? I'd have to say, I have no friggin' idea. Right. You know? So maybe I should pay attention to when my anxiety is high. Is it that I've had more caffeine that day? Right. That's true. I wouldn't have a clue unless I paid attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. great. And so I will put the um, links to right. the sh- to the show and the coffee in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. I want to see it. And our question, let's move on to our question of the week. Great. So this week's question is, what are your thoughts on rice cereal at four months old? Do you think it's okay or no? Ah, good question. Mm-hmm. And did you respond to that? Yeah, I can respond. Um, so rice cereal doesn't really have a, not a lot of nutritional value. It's no. often fortified with like iron, which is nice, but it can be very constipating for babies. And mm-hmm. other than the iron, there's basically no nutritional value. The right. other thing you want to keep in mind with rice cereals, rice is very high in arsenic. It's like one of the mm-hmm. foods that has highest levels in arsenic and a lot of arsenic can be harmful to our bodies. So yep. kind of want to limit rice consumption and consumption in general, right. especially in newborns. 
And then my third thought on this question is four months old is a little early to be in right. solid foods. So usually we recommend introducing solid foods when they are six months old and sitting up mostly on their own. They lose the tongue thrust reflex. They've got yep, head control, control. and yep. they have the pincer grass so they can pick things up and put them in there. Right. Mouth. Right. Yep. There's a lot of interesting research coming out that we're losing our jaw. Like the, the reason why more people are, are born with like recessed jaws and high palates is because we eat such soft foods now. Yeah. Like there was a, like when we were eating like nuts and berries and roots, our jaws like developed because you use it. Right? It's like any muscle or bone, the more you use it, the bigger and more broader it gets. But then when we started, when we switched to like cooking foods and eating soft foods, and now we feed our babies like pouches of like liquid food. So our jaws are gradually disappearing. It's really fascinating. Wow. That's kind of like a fascinating tangent there. <laughs> yeah, but wicked cool. And then before we get to our guest, I have an announcement. Okay. So the Baby Pro Bistro, we temporarily closed enrollment so we could focus on the families that were already registered, but we are opening back up for registration August 19th through the 25th. If you go to the website right now, you can join the waiting list. And if you join the waiting list, you get first priority when registration opens back up because we are limiting it to about 20 families because we don't want to have so many families on in the membership that we can't really provide that one-on-one support with them. Excellent. So if you are interested in joining the Baby Pro Bistro, you can head to shellyataftibclc.com and join the waiting list or register once it opens up for registration. All right. And next up, we have our guest interview. All righty. Excellent. I'm so happy to introduce our expert guest speaker this week, um, Islet Schwell from Healing Her Birth support. Um, Isla's been a doula for 14 years and she's founder of Birthing Our Stories, which allows parents to find a safe place to release and share their stories, be heard, and to heal. Welcome. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, Shelly. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I've been a birth doula for 15 years, uh, before 14 and a half. Um, kind of like gauge what I've done in my life by which child was born. <laughs> um, so this is right after the birth of my daughter that I became a doula. And before that, I was uh, involved in, in women's healing um, through prenatal massage therapy and, uh, and, and fertility awareness. And um, kind of I've been in this sort of realm of maternity care for well over 17 years. <laughs> this is kind of, it's, it's a nice, it, it's nice to know that, you know, to have, to be doing something that you, that I just, I feel so connected to that, you know, it just, it's, it keeps evolving. It keeps growing. Um, and it's, it's something that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so being part of. How did you get into this work? Because it's not, I know birth work is not something that most kids are like, oh, I want to be a doula when I grow up or <laughs> anything like that. So how did how did you fall into this work? Yeah, um, I think that part of it was knowing, like wanting to be involved in healing um, from a very young age and uh, not really resonating with the idea of being a doctor. 
And so I was always sort of looking for something alternative and that kind of got me into massage school. That's where that kind of came from. And, uh, and then through my own fertility journey, my own birthing experience with my first child 17 years ago, uh, you know, kind of realizing that things could be different. Um, and I didn't have a doula for that birth. It, it's not really, it's, it was pretty a new concept at the time. Uh, and, and so as I started to look into what, what could be different and how can I make, you know, my next birth better uh, for myself and for my family, I discovered doula work. I, I, I found an amazing doula for my own birth. We actually, you know, switched from planning a hospital birth to having a home birth at 35 weeks with my second. And, uh, oh my God, thank you so much. I love my children <laughs> and my husband. <laughs> they just brought me iced coffee. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, and uh, well, uh, now I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I had an amazing doula. And that experience was so powerful to me. And it wasn't, and she, she helped me to figure out that I wasn't, like why I wasn't feeling comfortable with my choice about the hospital and helped me to find resources to choose home birth and gave me the strength to make that choice against, you know, people who like were really not into it. And, uh, and, and it wasn't that, it, it wasn't this feeling of, I didn't feel at ever that she was pushing her agenda on me at all. Um, she herself, I don't think had home births even, but she was tapping into what I needed. She was listening to me and helping me find my voice and helping me, you know, find what was going to work for my birth and having this amazing home birth experience after a, let's call it a tepid hospital birth experience. It was not traumatic. It was not, you know, uh, horrible. It was not you know, insanely painful, but it wasn't what I expected birth to be. Um, and I did have to fight to be left alone. Like I had to fight to be respected or to be, you know, to, to have what I wanted in that, in that environment. And, uh, and I wanted something different in this home birth experience. Like, you know, it was a, it was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, and, and so that sort of led me on this, like, could I do this for other people and not can I help other people have home birth? But can I be that source of, you know, of strength, that support system for other women, other birth givers who need, you know, who, we need that. We need that support. We need that nourishment. We're not getting it from the maternity care system mm -hmm. um, and uh, amplify their voices and, and remind them of their power you know, and, and so that's, that's how that happened. And, and then, yeah. Uh, and the birthing our stories workshop <laughs> that came about, um, after my third birth, which was a traumatic birth. It was, we had moved from New Jersey to Israel while I was pregnant and finding the birth support people and finding how setting myself up for a positive birth experience, also learning that uh, even doulas need doulas. Um, that was, <laughs> so that was a, a, an eye opener for me. And that birth was, um, I was essentially, I was abandoned by my midwife um, mm -hmm. and ended up giving birth in an ambulance on the way to 
a hospital that I had oh. never went to. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> thank God. I, was I, it like a know. planned home birth? It was a planned home birth with a midwife who came highly recommended. And I, you know, the short story is I ignored a lot of the red flags that my intuition was like, this is not somebody who you can trust. And, um, and she proved to be somebody that I couldn't trust <laughs> and, you know, said things that didn't make sense when I was in labor and basically said, look, I don't think I can attend your birth. You should, you should go to the hospital. And, uh, and I ended up giving birth into the ambulance. <laughs> uh, you know, you show up at the hospital not planning to be there. I didn't have socks. I didn't have a charger. I didn't, you know, like I didn't have anything. Um, they tried to send my husband home. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, it was hard. And, uh, and after that birth, I just, I, it took me a long time to recover obviously, but on an emotional level also, it was, uh, it was, it was rough and Mm -hmm. it made me question myself and my ability to support other people. And, you know, here it was, I had finally found, you know, this career that felt so right to me. And I'd attended a bunch of births before his birth. And, and then suddenly I was thrown for a loop and just felt like maybe I was wrong. Maybe I can't support other people, you know, uh, if I couldn't trust my own intuition, how can I support others, you know, in finding their own and all of these kind of bad feelings. And then I unexpectedly got pregnant again. <laughs> uh, not, un- not, un- not unexpected necessarily, but sort of like a little sooner than we had planned. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> babies just come sometimes. And, uh, and I needed to deal with all of that sooner than I thought that I would. Um, and I blessedly had an amazing midwife who helped me to heal uh, mm-hmm. from that experience and and she and I had I had a very healing birth experience with my fourth baby that not everybody gets to have right. and what happened what happened after that when I started to feel better about myself and about my birth work. And I started to like, I wasn't ready to go and attend births again yet. But what I did start doing was, you know, if somebody asked me what I do, I said, I'm a doula, which I hadn't been able to do for like a year. Like I hadn't even been able to say those words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that like, oh, I'm a doula. And then I started attracting these stories, these horror stories. Like people would be like, oh my gosh, you're a doula. Let me tell you what happened to me. You know, uh, me and my baby almost like all these horrible birth stories. And it was in the most inconvenient, inconvenient moments of, of life. Like when they would tell me these stories, right? We were, I don't know, at a grocery store or at the playground, or it wasn't a place where mm-hmm. I could sit down and give them space for their stories. And that's what I wanted to do. And so that's when I realized, and it, you know, it, we're going back like seven, eight years, eight, no more like nine years um, to when I had this this feeling and that's that this was like a very strong thing in the world at that time like it was like something cosmic because that's the same year that um Ina May's book about uh uh her manifesto came out it's the same year that Pam England um started her birth healing birth story healing um story you know healing mm-hmm. method BOT was developed at that time like those that same year all these things were happening and and I started doing these birthing our stories workshops in my community and online. And, 
and it's it's just been you know the difference that I brought and again I didn't know I was doing something different because we were all doing it at the same time but um was uh was doing this in a group for the purpose of not just being a therapy like a therapeutic experience of oh you know have the catharsis of releasing your story and get validation but also having this ability to to be heard to have to have other people bear witness to your experience and to bear witness for them and that has been a really powerful part of that birthing our stories method as well so mm -hmm. yeah. right because i find a lot of um societies it's birth trauma is so often dismissed like people will say things like well you and your baby are alive and healthy so that's all that's important. And I just find that that's incredibly dismissive. You can be happy and thankful that you and your baby are alive and healthy and still have trauma from, yes. from your experience. 100%, 100%. And I say that all the time. Like we are not, I like to quote the J.M. Barry, um, you know, the Peter Pan story where he talks about Tinkerbell being so small that she could only hold one emotion at a time. And we are human beings. We are huge and complex and we can hold more than one emotion at a time. You mm -hmm. can be infinitely grateful that you and your baby survived childbirth or that you're alive or that you know, you're know you physically well. And at the same time, you can feel traumatized by your experience. You can feel, maybe you wouldn't even call it trauma, right? But you might feel mistreated or violated or like you failed or ashamed. like. Those feel you can have all those feelings and also have the gratitude that you and your baby are okay. And exactly mm -hmm. as you said, it's so dismissive, it's so invalidating. And it it really, um, you know, it really creates a, a situation and it, it's not conscious, but it creates a, a, a belief that the that women's experiences don't matter. Birth giving, birth givers, we don't matter. Our uterus is just a method for humans to come into the world. That, that's, that's what it is. And so if that human is breathing, then we've done our job. Right. And we are so much more than just vessels for carrying a baby. Our, our experience as well. And I think a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to have a lot of, you know, quote unquote, bad interventions or anything to experience birth trauma. It can be like the smallest thing. That might seem insignificant to other people, but that just for you was a traumatic experience. And I feel like if some parents who had a birth that went well, according to the medical standards and wasn't long or difficult or anything, but something happened during that process where it is giving them some birth trauma, then there's the the guilt that gets laid on that parent because they have this, these negative feelings about their birth when, you know, so many other parents quote, had it worse and quote, or wasn't able to come home with a healthy baby. So then you have that, that birth trauma and then that, the guilt just laid on top of it. Yeah. And do we actually need that? <laughs> right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and exactly that. And that, that's exactly that's exactly the reason because it's so nuanced, right? Because there are people who can clearly say my birth was traumatic, everything went wrong. Um, and I'm not even talking about a traumatic birth in which there was a bad outcome, right? I'm not even talking about that. Like baby loss, I feel is its own separate category. And yes, it, you can have birth trauma and you can be part of this community and you can know that birth 
needs to be better and, you know, and, and also have had baby loss, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about exactly the situation that you're describing where, you know, what, like other people had it worse. And so how dare you complain? And so of course, because there's such a wide range of those experiences and, and we keep invalidating them for each other, right? Like you're saying, like, I'll give you an example. I had to, uh, I had, uh, in one of my groups, I had one woman said, uh, told her story and her story was that she, um, she was, she, this was not her first birth and her previous births were, you know, she got to the hospital, she had an epidural, totally uncomplicated birth. Everything was wonderful. She felt great, blah, blah, blah. And this birth, she, everything progressed very fast. She didn't make it to the hospital. She gave birth in the elevator. And when she would tell her story, she got the following reactions. She would get people telling her, you're so lucky, right? Oh, you're so lucky. I wish my labors were that fast. Um, they, people would tell her, people who are against epidurals would tell her like, wow, so now you're going to have natural births, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and like, what do you do with that? And, uh, and so for the first time she was heard, listened to somebody like, you know, she had us say to her and respond to her, say like, that must've been really scary mm-hmm. and uncomfortable. And wow, it must have been, you know, when you're, when you are not expecting to experience labor pain and then you have to experience it, whether it was fast or not, that, that, that's, you know, that's a lack of control that causes trauma. Right. And so it's, you know, like you were saying, it, it, it's, it has nothing to do with wh- what you planned for your birth. It has nothing to do with what your background is. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're, you know, a crunchy granola hippie or, uh, you know, full on, like, you know, hashtag all the drugs. Like it doesn't matter where you come from on that spectrum. Um, anyone can experience birth trauma when they feel that they were mistreated in their birth, that they, um, you know, all those, those emotions that we, that we've been saying, like, I felt like I felt mistreated or I felt violated or um, I don't know how that happened to me or, you know, why couldn't I just, right? Maybe I just can't, right? Oh, I, my, my waters never break or I always need to be induced or those kinds of things that, but you say them and you kind of believe them, but somewhere in your mind, you're like, how is that possible that my body doesn't work? Right. Yeah. How come it's so easy for everybody else? And, and that's exactly why I coined this term of birth healer. I'm not, I didn't really coin the term, but I'm using it specifically for people who have had a negative experience and either want to heal themselves and their own experience, um, or, and even just by, by healing your own experience, you're healing birth for others. You're, you're opening up You're you know, we, we're talking, we talk a lot about today. There's a lot of talk about breaking the cycle of trauma in parenthood, in, you know, in all different kinds of environments, and we can break the cycle of trauma in birth. Mm-hmm. And so healing yourself is really healing the world and healing future generations and allowing yourself making space for your experience. Right. Yeah. And like you said, it's not about being mistreated. If it's, you know, in order to have a, a birth experience, you need to feel safe. 
where you're giving birth, right? Like as doulas, we know this. If you choose a home birth, but you don't truly feel like you're safe, it's not going to go well. Or if you're in the hospital and you don't feel safe just by being in a hospital, it's probably going to be a little bit harder. So like the person that you were talking about, like she gave birth on the elevator, who feels safe giving birth on the elevator? No one that I know of, right? You're not expecting it. You know, your, your inner brain, your primal brain is like, this is not supposed to happen this way and we're in danger. So even though it, everything went smoothly, it can feel like you went through a traumatic experience. Exactly, exactly. And it's so important to, like I said, hold space for that, for yourself, for others, you know, and, and be able to say like, yeah, that, that did suck and, and this should have been different. Mm-hmm. How does, how does someone know whether they are experiencing birth trauma or not? That's a really good question. (laughs) Uh, I think it comes down to, I think the best way to answer that question is to talk about what is a positive birth experience. Like, um, so actually have a, a handout on this, a little pamphlet that is really great for, uh, for people who are currently pregnant or people who are afraid to get pregnant because they're afraid of birth or they had a previous traumatic experience. And it's called the four essential elements of a, of a positive birth. So I'll, I'll give you that, um, that link. Perfect. It's, yeah, it's, um, there are four essential elements to a positive birth. Voice, choice, power, and support. And when you have those four things, and I'll explain what they are in a minute, when you have those four things, you're, you're, no matter what the outcome and no matter what the circumstances, you're going to have a positive experience. And I mean, just to, just to drive home this idea that it really doesn't matter the outcome. You can have a positive experience no matter the outcome. I supported a woman having, um, having an, uh, an early termination for medical reasons, and she had a positive experience. And, you know, you can't call anything about that a positive outcome, um, but she will tell you that she had a positive birth experience. So, uh, so really these, these four things, these are the four. Voice is your, your own voice. You're, a, you're knowing that you can speak your truth. You, you are in an environment that is where you're being listened to. Um, and the people around, right? They're all they're all connected to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people around you are um, are supportive and amplifying, like I said before, amplifying your your voice. Uh, so that's a voice. Choice uh, is first of all that you know your options, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you are in a situation where you um, where you feel confident that you can choose, that you are the one making the choices, that people respect what your, you know, your, your ability to choose. So it's not just a, a, a care provider coming in and, you know, starting to do the pelvic exam while saying, I'm going to do a pelvic exam now. Like that's not choice. Right. Right. Or an advan- an, an environment where, um, you know, yeah, you could not, you could choose to not follow our protocols, but we're not going to make you feel good about it, right? Um, that's not choice. So being able to, uh, so knowing that you, you, what your options are, um, knowing that you, you are the, the main choice maker, um, that's, 
one, that's another aspect. Uh, support, support and power are the, are the foundations that allow your voice and choice to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So choosing a support team, that's part of choice, right? Choosing your support team, your place of birth, your, um, uh, how, you know, if you're going to do a birth preparation course, that you're not just choosing the one that everybody recommends, but the one that's actually right for you. Um, you know, so building your support team in a way that, that in a way that knowing that each member of that team, including the environment that you're choosing to birth is supportive, right? The support of your voice, choice, and power, right? That's, that allows those three things to happen. And, and your power is you, you, you know, you are birthing on your terms. Uh, you know, again, another example, a birth that I attended uh, recently, she, um, this was not a non-intervention birth, but every decision was on her terms. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every, she, she demanded, but also received the space to make the decisions at each point. You know, she was post dates. We think you should come in for an induction. Thank you for your recommendation. I'll consider it, you know, and, and deciding, yes, I'm going to go and have the induction now, you know, and this is where I want to do it. This is how I want to do it. This is what feels comfortable for me, you know, and, and, and that's a, a woman birthing in her power. Mm -hmm. it, it does. It's not about, and, and so is the woman who births in her living room with no attendance, right? That's mm -hmm. someone birthing in their power. And so is the person choosing an elective C-section because that's right for that birth giver, you know, that's someone birthing in their power. And so mm -hmm. those four elements those, when you have all four of those, you can only have all four of those when you have all four of them. <laughs> right. And, right. And when you, when those four things are present, you're going to, your, your, your experience is going to be positive and usually healthy, healthier. Um, and also uh, when one of those is missing, when there's a fault in any of those, that's where I see trauma. That's, and when I listen to people's stories in the Birthing Our Stories workshop, that's what I'm listening for. Mm -hmm. And I'll point out, you know, part of that process is helping them see this is where you used your voice, right? This is where you, you acted in your power. This is where your power was taken away. This is where your support team gave you what you needed. And this is where they were at fault, you know? And, and it, it's like, wow this is not me, like this is not something intrinsically wrong with me that I couldn't have a normal birth like everybody else. This is, you know, it's just, it's so liberating to be able to see that as a, um, as a whole unit and to be able to mm -hmm. say, I can do better in the future. Or if they're not planning on having more kids, that's also fine because it can give you that sense of healing and saying, you know, I can, I can move on now. I can have peace now. Right. Right. And if they are planning on having more kids, then it is nice to like process that and heal before you go through your next labor and delivery. Because a lot of those motions can pop right back up when you're in the throes of labor. A hundred percent. And not only that, but I would say even more so, if you know that you have triggers and you're like, okay, I'm not going to deal with that right now, um, or, you know, negative emotions about birth 
don't wait until you're pregnant again. <laughs> don't wait until you're pregnant again. Do a birth healing process, whether it's birthing our stories, whether it's, you know, BOT or birth story healing or any of the other ones that are available. Um, and we have a, we're having, gonna have a conversation actually in my, in my Facebook group uh, next week, I think. Um, I have it scheduled to talk about the different healing methods that are out there. Um, do it when you're not currently pregnant. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, you're not absolutely. vulnerable, right? right. You're, or you, you are still vulnerable, but you're not like you, you're in, you, you can have a much uh, stronger healing experience when you're not currently planning for another birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also think it can be helpful to have, if you're, if you're able to, to have like a birth doula, we can kind of protect the space enough where you can set up and make sure that you have those four things that you yeah. And so not to, not to advocate and, and use, um, take the space of your voice, but to help, like you said, amplify the parent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in the, in the handout, I, I actually, it's, you know, it's very action-based. I actually go through like, this is how to build your support team. This is, these are, you know, your check-ins to know, are you, you know, is your voice being heard? Do you know what you want? You know, uh, do you know your options? What are the resources? What does it mean to know your options? Does that mean that you have to know everything about birth, like be the birth expert before you give birth? No, it doesn't. You know, when I talk you through that, like how to sort through the information. So yeah, it's a really val valuable resource. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about, a little bit more about your workshops. Like what does it look like? Where can people find them? Sure. Uh, you can find more information about it at birthingourstories.com slash workshop. Um, so that's, you know, just the webpage and you can sign up for it there. Uh, it's open enrollment, but we start a group whenever we have four. So it's a group of four. It's live, but it is virtual. I love that it's virtual because I'll have groups where the most recent group I did was I had a woman in Spain, a woman here in Israel, someone in California and someone in Vermont. It was like, you know, and you get all these um, different experiences. And it also just brings us together, especially now when we are so disconnected, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it brings us together around this topic that is actually usually very polarizing and, mm -hmm. and you know, giving us that connection. So I love that it's virtual. Um, we meet, uh, we meet six times. So the purpose, the reason, the reason I call it birthing our stories, there are two reasons. First of all, it's because, you know, the, this, I like the idea of a story, uh, that you are the hero of your story. Uh, and, and, you know, this, this chapter about that negative birth experience, when, when people come to me with birth trauma, very often what they feel is that that chapter is still open, right? It's, it's not that it's just part of their story. It's like, even though, you know, 18 months have passed or two years have passed or five or seven years have passed, it's still all connected to, like they're still connected to that birth experience that happened. And so birthing our stories allows you to close the chapter on that birth. It's still part of your story. You're still going to draw from it, but hopefully you'll draw strength from it instead of, you know, triggers and, and sort of bringing mm -hmm. you back into that place in a bad way, but rather, uh, you know, giving you, allowing it to be a source of strength and growth instead of a source of trauma. 
So that's one reason. And the other reason that it's called Birthing Our Stories is because it, it's an opportunity to really birth your story. So the birth, the story about the birth, right? It's like a, uh, you know, uh, a layer on top of, um, of what you, of what you experience. There's the experience itself, the event itself, and then there's your memory of it. And you can't change the event, right? That's what it was, but you can change your memory of it. You can change your feelings around it and you can have an, an opportunity to birth your story in an environment which will give you what you should have had at your birth in an environment which is um, safe and validating and strengthening rather mm -hmm. than you know what you might have felt up until now right so it's almost like reclaiming your birth story as reclaiming something that, it. you know you did rather than something that happened to you uh -huh. beautifully said <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> And reclaiming your power back, right, from the people right. or the experience that traumatized you, which is exerting power on your life, limiting your, you know, if I had women come to me who feel uncomfortable anytime they pass by the hospital where they had their baby, that's mm -hmm. limiting their lives. That's giving power to this traumatic experience that, that it doesn't deserve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, or, or people who tell me that they, they wish they could have more babies, but they can't imagine having giving birth again. Those souls need to come here. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're waiting for you. And, and you're, you know, if the, if that trauma is what's blocking them, then, then we got to find a way to heal that trauma. Mm -hmm. Cause like you mentioned earlier, it can seep into all aspects of your life. It's not just kind of like shut away as like this bad thing that happened to me. And I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. It can impact your parenting. It can impact everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your parenting, your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your children, the one who was the child of the traumatic birth uh, and your other kids, like you may feel resentment that they, ha you know, they, for the birth experiences that you, if you had also, if you had positive experiences and negative experiences that can create a family dynamic that's really uncomfortable and it's not your fault mm -hmm. it's uh, you know trauma post-traumatic stress and the trauma response is a survival instinct right yeah and I think it's so important that there are people out there like you who are trying to address this because like we talked about like often society just kind of like sweeps it under the rug um because yeah. it, it's not valued. Like you said, a woman's experience is not valued. And yeah. it doesn't serve the maternity system to know that their, their system is causing trauma, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. And, and oh, I mean, generally doctors are wanting to help people. And so they don't want to be put in a position where they feel like they might have been the source or the cause of trauma. I mean, that's not a, a fun thing that you have to look in there and explore, but it still needs to be done. And I'm not just talking about OBs. I'm talking about like doulas, midwives, every aspect of the birth work world. You know, we all need to take a look in our mirror and see like, how are we, are we contributing to trauma for some of the families that we work with? Or are we keeping the space safe for them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
Well, this was a really important conversation and I'm so glad, like, like I said, that you're out here doing this work and we will definitely put the links to all the, um, like your workshop and your website in the yeah. um, show notes. Excellent. And I want to thank you again so much for jumping on here with me today. This was really great, Shelly. Thank you so much. I really had a, a nice time <laughs> talking. And and you're on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram, yeah. I yell at Schwell. Uh, also, my Birth Healing Circle community on Facebook. It's called the Birth Healing Circle. Uh, you can find us there. And uh, in the in the Facebook group, we do um, we're 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 growing. It's a new it's a new Facebook group, but I really see it as a place where not where people are going to just like you're not going to find traumatic birth stories in that in that group. Uh, it's not a place for sharing your birth story. There are wonderful groups out there for that. Um, it's a place to get support for feeling traumatized for wanting to make things better. Uh, it's for people who have had a negative experience. It's for people who know things need to change, right? For allies. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and yeah, so we'd love to see, see you there too. Perfect. I'll link to that group as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.